Good evening, church. Would you join me tonight in the book of Leviticus, chapter 19? Um, if you're using the Pew Bible, I think that is page 102. Leviticus 19. And I'm just going to read the first two verses. The Lord spoke to Moses, Speak to the entire Israelite community and tell them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Do you join me in prayer before we start this? Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for revealing yourself to us. And Father, as we look at this Really one sentence tonight that tells us so much about you. Would you be with us? Would you be the one who teaches us? May what we do and say here tonight be honoring and glorifying to you. In Jesus' name, amen. This one sentence, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy, must be one of the most important sentences that has ever been uttered by any human being in all of history. And of course, it makes it here clear that Moses utters this at God's command. Now, to emphasize the importance of this, he says, first of all, the Lord spoke to Moses, speak to the entire Israelite community and tell them. Now, I didn't, couldn't do this, prove this on my own, but I am told this is the only time in scripture where God commanded Moses to speak to the entire community. This is the level of importance of what we are talking about here. And I feel somewhat inadequate tonight because this sentence is loaded with meaning. There has been so much written on this subject that it could fill libraries. As I was preparing and realized just how much material there was here, my mind flashed back to a, a man who is now retired, I think he's still alive, an elderly man who spent 15 minutes with me once in a car ride, and he gave so much information to me that it really has influenced me throughout my life. And I thought, he's the only one I can think of who could speak, preach on this in one sermon and get it all done. And I know Travis has heard of him, Richard Owen Roberts, I don't know if the rest of you have heard of him. This man could speak for two and a half hours, And time would fly. I'm not going to do that tonight. I'm not ready and you're not ready. (laughs) Well, let's begin by looking and analyzing this, this one sentence here. First of all, we are told that we are to be holy because I, the Lord God, am holy. We're to be holy because, so there's the, it depends on this, that the Lord God is holy. Now, if we notice here, it is specific. He doesn't say, I, your God, and our, I, God, am holy. He says, the Lord God is holy. I am holy. And it is specific to one person. Now, to us, we may think in terms of, well, of course, there's, there's only one God. We understand that. But as, as he's communicating this to the Israelites, it is critically important that he that establishes that this is the God. This is the one who brought them out. This is the God who 
met Moses at the burning bush. This is the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. This is the God who they worship. And he says, I, and it's exclusive to him, I am holy. Now, what does the word holy mean? And, And Travis obviously touched on that this morning. It is a tough word to define in many ways because of its, really, of its immensity. Uh, R.C. Sproul makes the case, and I think he's a good one, that in many ways, the word holy means what God is. It defines who God is. No one else but God can be defined as holy. But it carries with it certain things. That in, in all of God's attributes, he's perfect, absolutely perfect in all of them. He's separate. He's completely separate from us. We're told to be like him and things like that, but we will never, ever approach that. That is the command. He's majestic. And as as we look at all the things around us, and perhaps if we look out in in astronomy and, and look at the gorgeous things that we see there and just the wonder there, and yet that doesn't even touch the majesty of who God is. He's glorious. He's beyond reproach. He's ethically pure. That means there is no ethical flaw in God at all. It means God can't be tempted, and he cannot tempt. He's incapable of being drawn into sin. God cannot sin. And so he says to them, I, Lord your God, am holy. That establishes this. Now, there's one other thing here that I think we need to note. And that is this. He says, I am the Lord, your God. Now, the, the word your is a possessive pronoun. Now, if you say to me tonight, where is your car? Well, we all know what that means, and you, you can assume it's in the parking lot. But that's not the sense in which it is being used here. If one of you goes to my son Jonathan and says, how is your dad, what does that mean? Well, it means, essentially, the man with whom you have a relationship, specifically a father-son relationship, a unique relationship. And that is what's being talked about here. It's not that they own God, is that he is the God they are in relationship with. And one of the meanings of holiness carries along with that the whole concept of relationship. God, in all his holiness, has chosen in grace to have a relationship with some. And he makes it clear here that they are the ones. Now, if we were turned over to Leviticus chapter 20, verse 26, very similar statement says, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and I have set you apart from the nations to be mine. And that is what is being spoken of here when he says, I am the Lord, your God. You're my people. I have set you apart. And as we noted this morning, the whole concept of holiness implies a part of separateness, of taking and separating apart. And so throughout the history of Israel, God makes clear that there are some he has taken 
and he has separated them apart for the purpose of serving him. And we see in in Deuteronomy and, and other places where he makes it clear that this is conditional on nothing but his love for them. And that's important to remember. Now, how does that apply to us? Well, if we were to turn over to John 17 in the Lord's Prayer, or, yeah, the Lord's Prayer for, for his disciples, he talks about the concept of God taking his disciples and taking them out of the world and giving them to his son. They are separated out. And he prays later that God would sanctify them through his work being, being made holy. And so this is what we are talking about here when we say God says to be holy. The concept is that we are to be holy because God, the one that we are in relationship with, is holy. And that is how we are to be. The Israelites were holy because they were set apart. They were to behave now in a manner that, because of the holy nature of the one who set them apart. So God is saying, look, I have set you apart. Positionally, you are holy. But now he says, be holy in your behavior. And here we come to where effort is involved. We think in terms of justification by, by grace alone and God doing all the work. But at the same time, God makes clear that his people are to put some effort into that. Now, what is involved with that? Well, if we were to continue on, and and we could make two and a half hours easy if I went through all of this, but let's read just the next two verses. Each of you is to respect his mother and father, and every parent in the the room just thought, preach it, brother. And you are to keep my Sabbaths, I am the Lord your God. Do not turn from idols or make cast images of gods for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. We are to respect our parents. Now, if I could have all the children just pay attention to me just for a minute, and I realize here that it's hard to pay attention. I have trouble paying attention, so I know what you're like. But children, I want you to listen to this. If you want to understand a little bit about what being holy is, It's obeying your mom and dad. It's doing what they tell you to do. Not because you have to, but because God calls you to. And that's how, in in a very real way, you're showing your love for God. Now, for those of us who are older, and I have a degree in biology, so I qualify as an expert on this, those of you who had parents, or have parents alive, It continues on, not in the sense of obeying them in every sense, but having respect for them. Now, if we were to go through this whole thing and look at it, you're going to say, you know, this sounds a lot like the Ten Commandments. And it is. But when God spoke through Moses all this, he starts with the whole concept of the parent, of respecting your parents. This is the level of importance that was carried on here. Now, I'll be honest, part of me wonders if if God in his his grace said, I just said I want the entire body here and children being children, and it hasn't changed since Moses' day, 
it's hard to pay attention. So maybe it was important they catch this up front before they drifted off. But the reality is there is a significance in our relationship with our parents that affects our holiness. And we go on to the other thing, the concept here of keeping the Sabbath, of not having idols or making idols. But you notice here there is a phrase that can, uh, ends this. It says, I am the Lord your God. Now, if you were to take time, and I highly recommend you do, I'll be honest, to go through this, you're going to see this phrase keep coming up. I am the Lord your God, or some variation of that. Well, what does that mean? Did God give these rules because he's essentially a cosmic killjoy? He said, I'm going to make their life as miserable as possible. Well, no, that is That is not what's being said here. It's not what's being implied here. The whole concept here of being holy and following along and the whole concept of the law was to show the nature of God himself. If you're going to be holy, if you're going to be like me, these are the ways in which you do it. And so it wasn't something as a punishment. It was a privilege to be able to partake in this. Now, how does that flesh out for for us in this day and age? Well, we have moved into the New Testament period. It's a little bit a subtle change, perhaps, but we are still given commands in Scripture, are we not? One of the purposes of the law and, and, and commandments even now is it drives us back to God. Because we look at the things that God tells us that we should do. If we were just to say the Ten Commandments, if we still said that's all we're going to do, we couldn't do it, could we? Not one of us can do it. We can't get past the first commandment on any day. Probably can't get out of bed without having problems here. But what it does is it drives us back to God. It shows us our dependence on him. And in, in, our sen- in the sense of in our day and age, it points us directly to the cross. It says, I can't do it. And yet it t- points us directly at the cross. And there we see our Savior did it for us. You see, as I said before, only God is holy. The only person in all. All of history, and the entire universe is holy. Everyone, uh, every other time someone has spoken of holy, being holy or an object is holy, it's derivative holy. It's not the holiness of mine. It's God's granted to me, into my life. This is why it is so important. God has told us, he told the Israelites, and he continues on into the New Testament telling us, to be holy because of who he is, because we are in relationship with him. That is what brings him honor, first of all, but it is also that which takes all that he has designed us to be and optimizes it to be exactly who he wants us to be. And again, it is a great privilege that we have. So dear friends, I know this is brief tonight and there is so much more, But I'm going to encourage you to take time to think about this. Yeah, 
Some of you seem to think there's something important happening tonight, but I'm going to say, at least while this is going on, think in terms of God's given this sporting event. It's, it's part of what he gives us to enjoy. How does this play into my being holy? And perhaps for those of you who are more studious, I'm, I think I'm going to recommend just take the book of First Peter and read through it. And very carefully know what are the things that is said that we should be doing? How does that apply to my life? You know? And then realizing again that we, even as believers, are not capable of being sinless, taking it to God and saying, Would you work in my life? Would you in- encourage me? Would you give me the strength to do that which you told me I need to do? Make God's word real. And as a side benefit, I think you're going to find Travis is a better preacher as we go through 1 Peter, if you take that effort. Dear friends, it's an Old Testament command. It's continued into the New Testament. It is absolutely critical. Be holy, because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Let's pray. Father, I confess that I have no ability in and of myself to be holy, and I'm sure I speak for my brothers and sisters before me. Father, we so desperately need to be true to what you've made us to be. Your word reveals just the glory of your holiness. Father, give us a passion, a passion to be like our God. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.